the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Have you or do you remember being put down by maybe your mom and dad about going to talk to you and they say you should not have, you should not have. Well, in the book of Obadiah, we'll find out some things these people should not have done. And now it is time to pay the pay up, you know. So today we're going to look at the book of Obadiah. Uh, we're going through the prophets and kings and kingdoms and we're spending time with each prophet, the prophet himself, as much as we know, and his book. And today it's Obadiah, the shortest book in the Old Testament. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but there's 12 Obadiahs that are talked about in the Old Testament. But we don't know exactly which one matches up with Obadiah, the writer of the book. But today, I think you'll be blessed by looking at this little book. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane. And Alex, uh, Obadiah, yes, it's a severe judgment. And the judgment of the people that he's talking about, he offers no hope, but he still gives hope to God's people. And uh, the hope for God's people, whether that was in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, or today, Alex, that hope is real, isn't it? Well, that hope is absolutely real. We serve a very good God, a very faithful God. He forgives and he restores. And in all of these books, the the prophets, you know, very often would would preach hard against sin and backsliddenness and the judgment of God. But there's always also for the one who will turn to the Lord, the redemption of God. Uh, but the, uh, you're listening to Exploring the Word, Alex and Bert. So glad you're with us. And uh, we're going to go to the phones later on, and we'll take your Bible questions. And if you if you have a Bible question, we'd love to hear from you. And the number is 888-589-8840. Bert, I was going to ask you, but you kind of beat me to it a little bit. What does Obadiah of the Old Testament have in common with Third John of the New Testament? And I bet you could answer that question, couldn't you? <laughs> Let me you? see. Does it have to do with how small they are? Uh, you know, small, yeah. not in frame, but in size of the book. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the The Bible, you know, you might as well say the Bible is a long book, but there are some short portions. And Third John is the shortest book of the New Testament. Obadiah is the shortest book of the Old Testament, just really, you know, one chapter. Um fact, under 500 words. I mean, this is amazing, under 500 words, and yet this uh, Obadiah was a Southerner, just like Amos yesterday, and and I'm a Southerner in terms of America, but Obadiah was from the Southern Kingdom, wasn't he? And he he preaches about Edom, the the judgment on Edom, and uh, they were a mountain people. Security is in the mountain, now, this is the divided kingdom stage, southern and northern kingdom. Ed- the Edomites have plundered Jerusalem, haven't they? Yeah, and there's two different times, as I was reading, that this could have taken place. The dating of this, that's the only dates they give, is the plundering of Jerusalem. And one of them was early on when they came in, and the one was when Babylon came in. And so they use those to try to give Obadiah a date. Uh, if it was in the early years, uh, he would have been kind of a contemporary of Elisha. And matter of fact, he would be probably the oldest prof- prophetic writer that we have. We don't know that for sure. That's a possibility. Or it could have been written later after Babylon had invi- invaded Jerusalem. But either way, Alex, his... His judgment concerning Edom is sure. And uh, again, let's talk about Edom and its ancestry because you yes. find the word yes. Esau, the name Esau mentioned in here. Now, Alex, let me see. Is Esau and Edom connected some way? <laughs> well, Esau's descendants became the nation of Edom. And, you know, in fact, um, this makes me smile. In Deuteronomy 2, there is a passage, and we, you and I have recorded on it. In fact, maybe the first 
pre-record you and I ever did more than a decade ago. I had a had a sermon about uh, Mount Seir that was given to Edom. This is Deuteronomy 2, 1 through 7. You and I did a show long, long time ago. But here, here's the thing about Remember, Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of stew, really. And then um, Jacob tricked their father into giving the blessing of the firstborn to him. Esau was not happy about that. So they had these differences. They were they really got sideways, Genesis chapter 33. God gave both of their descendants a land. Now, the land given to Esau's descendants, um, the Edomites, was Mount Seir. And so um, while the Edomites lived in the, the area of Mount Seir, the the descendants of, of Jacob became the 12 tribes of Israel, and Israel's capital was a mountain you might have heard of, Mount Zion. But over the centuries, they, there was a lot of friction and a lot of struggle, and here we are in the book of Obadiah, and there's a judgment on the Edomites that um, they have really fought with the tribes of Israel and the land of Jerusalem and Mount Zion, it's been a Bert, is it fair to say, I'm gonna just ask this, all of this history, the the victories, the tragedies, the fights, the battles, it all comes down to family politics, doesn't it? <laughs> wow, what a statement. It is. Feuds are bad, but family feuds seem to be worse. And mm. when it results a family into nations, it makes it even multiplied. Well, Obadiah has a vision. He's one of the prophets uh, that had visions. Uh, there's three words that always appears in concerning one of the prophets' call, and it was a call, a word of God came to him, a vision from God, and once in a while, a burden from the Lord. And Obadiah's is a vision, and that's how it opens up with, and it's concerning Edom. He makes it very plain. And then he starts listing these things. Uh, what he says he's going to do to them because they're filled with pride. And just let me give the rundown real quickly, uh, Alex, of these things, and then we'll come and comment on some of it. But it says he's going to bring down their pride. They dwelt in the clefts of the rock. You had already talked about that. They felt safe. They felt like their habitation was strong, that no one could come against them. Matter of fact, in verse 4, it says, Though you exalt yourself as high as an eagle, and though you set your nest among the stars, from there I'll bring you down. And then they felt good about their wealth, and uh, their their wealth is going to be taken. They could mine copper and different things that was in their area, and some of the uh, trade routes went through their area, and they got money from that. They had strong alliances, and that's what it talks about in verse 7, the confederacy with others. And they thought their wise men in verse 8 could could help them, and then their mighty men, their army. So all of these things, they felt prideful and confident, but God says what? I'm going to bring you down. Uh, when God's judgment comes, is there anything that's going to protect the people? No. I mean, you know, we talked yesterday about a lion roaring, and when God's judgment roars forth, I mean, there, there's no stopping it. And that's why, you know, talking about pride, and we, we've, we've talked about how, how insidious pride is. I mean, it was pride that turned Lucifer into Satan. Um, even the USA, and I listen, I love our country. I love the USA. I thank God that I was born an American. But America could be completely obliterated under the hand of God's judgment. And so it begins the vision of Obadiah. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Bert, we need to remember that God is sovereign. That means above all things, yet able to reach in and intervene in all things. And so uh, you don't want to find yourself at cross purposes with an almighty sovereign God. And in many ways, our nation today is. It is. But, yeah. Yes. Alex, um, you know, America's, we've got the Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean. You know, we've considered ourselves very safe when it came to attacks and everything. 
Uh, I, again, I don't know Edom that, but they felt that way. They felt like they were safe, uh, untouchable. For, yes, untouchable, and they let their pride be lifted up. There's that good pride, the pride that says, "Now you have to hear my words out." The pride that wants us to take care of things that God has given us. In other words, Amen. it's been God given, and we want to do it right. And then there's that pride that is godless says i can do it on my own their pride was godless and that's what it says in verse three the pride of your heart has deceived you false pride always deceives now one of satan's tactics is deception and it is demonic and so you i would say this to the individuals who are listening today don't let that kind of false pride get in you and you're deceived that you've got another day, that you're going to mm-hmm. live a long time. That's the reason God says today is the day of salvation. Pride mm-hmm. says I've got plenty of time, but humility says I need to get right with God, and I need to do it now. So these Edomites were built up with pride, and honestly, that is the first thing that God says about them, isn't it? Well, in verse 3, well, you know, verse 2, See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you who live in the clefts of the rocks. Now, if, if the, the cleft of the rock that you go to for sanctuary is Jesus, well, wonderful. But if, in this case, for the Edomites, the cleft of the rock, they, that was their, their livelihood, the mountains, the, the place they lived. But here's the thing. The pride of your heart has deceived you. The word deceive, very interesting. It's like the word uh, paying interest on a loan, exacting interest. In other words, the pride of your heart has bankrupted you. That's, that's what that means. And uh, that's a very severe impoverishment, isn't it? When you've believed what is false. I'm untouchable. I'm strong. I've got money in the bank. The, the pride of life. Um, though you soar like an eagle and make your nest high among the stars, I'm going to bring you down. Uh, if thieves came to you and robbers in the night, what a disaster awaits you. Would they not steal only as much as they wanted if grape pickers came? In other words, hey, if robbers came in the night, you'd be ransacked. And if, if somebody came to steal your crops, uh, would they just steal a little bit? No, they'd steal everything. And that's how they were going to be um, really ransacked and pillaged, verse 6 says. And, uh, God's word and God's prophet is trying to help them understand you're vulnerable and you're going to lose it all because of your pride. And th- it continues again. He, he wraps this judgment around them concerning their allies, concerning their wisdom. They felt they, they had wisdom in verse 8 even destroy the wise men from Edom. And then in verse 9, Then you mighty men of Teman shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountain of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. Notice, Alex, it is complete destruction. And we're going to get next, in the next segment, we're going to get to the issue of the biggest issue they had. And it introduced in verse 10, For your violence against your brother. Uh, mm. God took that serious about the, them not coming and standing with Israel. And uh, yes. we're going to talk about that in the next segment as Exploring the Word continues on the American Family Radio Network. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Michael Regan, Administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency. He oversees enforcement of environmental statutes, including the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act. Genesis 1.10 reminds us that we should care for the earth, which is God's creation. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Michael Regan as he works on behalf of our environment. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, 
nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Portion control is important when you're deciding how big a piece of pie you want. But Dr. Tony Evans says when Christians start limiting their God intake, they're bound to wind up spiritually malnourished. We'll learn more as we spend two minutes with Tony. Many years ago, the kids are small. We decided to go on vacation in August and drive from Dallas to Niagara Falls, New York. Went to the hotel. And way in the distance, you could see the falls. And it was beautiful. I couldn't hear anything because I'm too far away. I could just, just see enough of it to be impressed. Next morning, we got up. On the Canadian side of the falls, there's a park. So now, in the hotel room, I could just be impressed by it, but now I could hear it. And every now and then, feel a little something, something. If you go down to the Maid of the Mist in the basin of the fall, they're going to give you a raincoat and an umbrella because you're getting ready to get drenched. Many Christians relate to Jesus Christ from the hotel room. They see him at a distance and they are impressed with him, but they never hear anything. Then there are other Christians who go to the park. Oh, they hear a little bit more, and every now and then they feel a little something, something. But then there's that small group, not satisfied with the park. They want a raincoat and an umbrella. They want to get up close and they want to get drenched. So the question is, how much of him do you want? Because he's only going to give you as much of him as you can handle. So when we all come together and we all get raincoats and umbrellas, oh, then you're going to see heaven fall down. Check out the latest edition of our half-hour daily program and sign up for Dr. Evans' free weekly email devotional when you visit TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I know the answer to every question, the one solution to every fear. I know my help and where it comes from. Jesus, He is the answer. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here with Bert Harper and you are listening to the American Family Radio Network. This is our Bible teaching show. Today we're in the Old Testament book of Obadiah, one of the minor prophets. In just a few minutes, though, we're going to take calls, and uh, we would love for you to call in. And if you've got a Bible question, we will do our very best to answer that. And the number, we'll take calls in a second, is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. We'd love to have your Bible question. Uh, Bert, in Obadiah, which is just one chapter, uh, Obadiah is just 21 verses, under 500 words. Bert, you, you see a lot of words, um, terror, violence, gloating, to gloat, uh, pride, uh, laying in wait, seizing wealth. Um, there's a lot of treachery. I mean, let me just lump it together. They, the Edomites, uh, the the people of Esau, uh, they've, they've done some very treacherous things. And God says, look, in the day that I destroy, uh, the, the, the warriors are going to be terrified. Uh, the, because of your violence against your brother Jacob, remember, from whom came Israel, um, you'll be covered with shame, you'll be destroyed forever, you stood aloof, uh, you gloated over your brother in the day of his misfortune. Uh, you rejoiced over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction. God says, look, they're going to be destroyed. And let me just say this, Bert, you don't hear much about Edomites today, do you? <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, notice that term in verse verse 10. The New King James says, you shall be cut off forever. Uh, and that's in contrast to how this chapter ends, or this book ends, I should say, when it talks about the kingdom of the Lord being forever. And so they're cut off forever while the kingdom of God is forever. And uh, here, it again, Alex, notice this terms. Uh, and I brought us in that way. Notice it says, verse 12, but you should have not. 
okay? Uh, or in, ver- in 12, you should not have rejoiced in that day. Verse 12, nor should you have spoken proudly in that day. Verse 13, you should not have entered the gate of my people in that day. You should not have. Again, these people were going contrary against God, and, and, and they were against God's people. Now, remember, Esau and Jacob, basically you would call them cousins. You know, uh, the Bible yeah. says you should have been treated, treating them as brothers. Uh, when they came in to the land out of the wandering in the wilderness, again, the uh, Edomites, no, you can't come through here, you know? So they had taken up Esau's anger and had passed it right. down to generation to generation. Just let me say this, and let me drop in here for a moment with someone out there who is angry, who is bitter towards someone. Cut it off now. Do not pass it on to the next generation. Uh, You never know what that may multiply into. Here it multiplies into the Edomites being cut off forever. So, Alex, bitterness is is a high price to pay when there's no unfor- when there's unforgiveness, you know, yeah, um, it's yeah. whose benefit is forgiveness most of the time. Well, I mean, the one who extends the forgiveness That's gets exactly the blessing. Right. Yes, they do. Yeah, exactly. Well, and do you see? You know, Edom really means red. And remember, Esau was was a rough man, um, and he he was an angry man. And red, you know. They used to say if somebody lost their temper, they said, well, he really saw red. Remember, he got red in the face. All right. So the irony is their pride has deceived them. The one who soars like the eagles and makes your nest up high, you're going to be brought down. You think you've got all this spoil and plunder, but thieves are going to plunder you. And uh, warriors are going to be terrified. Do you see the irony and here's the thing. The Bible says the one who exalts himself will be abased. You know? Right. If you, um, The Bible also says, let another man praise thee and not thine own lips. Okay? You gloated over your brother. And by the way, verse 12 is a reminder that the, you know, the Edomites and the Jacobites are brethren. They're not, they're not warring nations. Um, parenthetically, let me just insert something here, and Bert, you you uh, feel free to get us back on track. But um, the Lord is not pleased when brethren uh, burn bridges with brethren. And I want to say among all the denominations, we need each other. And I know there there's camps. There's Reformed and non-reformed and there's calvinist and non-calvinist and there's contemporary and traditional we need each other family of god you're you're a jesus follower so are we you love the lord so do we you believe in the great commission so do we bert we need each other just like god was not pleased when there was uh, a divided kingdom God wants us unified to show the world Jesus, doesn't he? He does. And and so I just don't make mountains out of molehills. Again, uh, listen, I've got brothers and sisters that were sprinkled and poured uh, in, in the Lord. I, I've got those brothers and sisters. They're Calvinist, and uh, I've got some that are complete Armenian. Uh, Alex, listen, this is not. it's never been a time for that kind of division. I say it that way. It's never been, but especially not now. And, uh, we, we had better be careful. Like you said, burning those bridges, don't do it. And and so here in this day with Obadiah, uh, he is letting notice the violence. They rejoiced in the suffering of Israel. And in verses 13, they assisted the enemy in that day. Verse 13, indeed, you should have gazed on their affliction in that day of their calamity, nor laid hands on their substance. In other words, they were a part of the invading enemy. They just didn't gloat over it. They became assistants in it. And and here uh, in verse 15, notice what they did. They ignore God. God had sent them for the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near, 
as you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. Now, that's scary, Alex. This is the golden rule in reverse. As you have done, it shall be done unto you. In other words, the way you have treated your brother, Israel, you're going to be treated the very same way. And Well, amen. Yeah, that's and it's waiting on them. Let me read 16 again. And then, for as you drank on my holy mountain, yes. so shall all the nations drink continually. Yes, they shall drink and swallow, and they shall be as though they had never been. Alex, they're going to be wiped out. They're going to be done away. Uh, and you've rejoiced, and that rejoicing for them is going to be turned into mourning for sure, isn't it? Well, well, yeah, and you know, a lot of judgment of sin is referred to a, a drink. I uh, remember drinking the cup uh, of of God's wrath, the wine press of God's wrath, and it says in verse sixteen, as as you drank on my holy hill, in other words, profaning the holy hill, so all the nations will drink continually. Okay, judgment, but. I see the gospel in verse 17. Now, folks, Amen. listen to this. <laughs> but on Mount Zion will be deliverance. It will be holy. And Jacob will possess his inheritance. Okay, deliverance, holiness, inheritance. What happened on the hills of Zion? Well, to quote Adrian Rogers, on a windswept hill outside of Jerusalem, man murdered his maker. Jesus laid his back to a beam of wood. And as Adrian Rogers said, on a skull-shaped hill called Mount Calvary, our salvation was purchased. Bert, all the way back, this is 840 years before the birth of Christ. In fact, Obadiah is said to be maybe the oldest of the writing prophets. So we're talking eight, eight and a half centuries before the birth of Jesus. We see an allusion to the deliverance that would one day come on the mounts, Mount of Zion, Jesus. I see that in verse 17. It is there, Alex. I, I, it is there. Notice the contrast, the, the verb, the word, but, of uh, that conjunction. Mm. In other words, you read verses 1 through 16, judgment, 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 pride, plundering, uh, destruction. But on Mount Zion, there shall be deliverance. What a message and that deliverance you, is still available today. And he is he died on the cross so that we could be saved. He rose again so that we would be have life and have life everlasting. And and he goes on in contrast that after that, the house of Jacob, it'll have fire. The house of Joseph, which is the northern kingdom, a flame, but the house of Esau shall be stubble. They shall kindle them, devour them, no survival. Survivors shall remain. We hear the, song, the, the the television programs that they had survivor. If they did one in Edom, there'd be no survivors, Alex. That's true. That's true. And, and by the way, um, a theme here is, yes, there is redemption even in the midst of judgment. Um, God is in control. Uh, pride is destructive. But here's the thing. God... Well, I'm going to use a phrase. Bert, have you ever heard the, the phrase, flip the script? Yeah, if, that's what it is. You know, yeah. Let's say there's a basketball team, and with only seconds on the clock, they hit some three-pointers, and there's an upset. And, and you might hear somebody say, oh, my goodness, they were going to lose, but they won the championship. They flipped the script. Okay, let me give you an example of this. Jacob will be a fire and Joseph a flame. Esau will be stubble. They will set him on fire and destroy him. No survivors from Esau. Now look at 19. People from the Negev will occupy the mountains of Esau. Now, what is Negev? It's a desert south of, of Jerusalem, somewhat south of Jerusalem, the Negev Desert. But that flat, sandy desert, your lush mountains, Edomites, the, the desert people are going to do that. And the people from the foothills will possess the land of the Philistines. See, God's going to flip the script. And, and let me just make a little application here, Bert, and I want you to comment. Right now, those of us that believe in the Word of God, and we believe in moral truth, and what some say traditional values, we're kind of like a mockery. Hollywood doesn't believe that anymore. The, the progressive left, they run the world. And we conservative Christians, if you try to post something on social media, it's likely to get censored, right? 
just hang on. God will not be silenced. Truth will not be vanquished. And the people out in the desert, one day they're going to own the mountains because we serve the God who is still sovereign and in control. Amen, Alex. And notice it continues with that. The captives of the host of the children of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites. As far as Zarephath, the captives of Jerusalem, for it shall possess the cities of the south. Then Savior shall come to Mount Zion to judge the mountains of Esau. Listen to this last phrase. Mm. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Now, I, I believe Obadiah couldn't wait to get to that. You know, now it yeah. is simply said, but what a statement. The kingdom shall be the Lord's. All these kingdoms, especially Edom, but then he starts talking about the ones around them, Alex, the Philistines, you know, and all of those. The kingdom shall be the Lord. This kingdom that shall possess the land, whose is it? It's the Lord's. And God is going to do what man cannot do. He's going to bring peace. He's going to bring prosperity. He's going to bring it. It's only in him, and it's not through a government. Now, let's go back to the first part of Obadiah just for a moment. It's not through their location where they felt they were safe. It wasn't through their wealth that they had plenty of. It wasn't through the alliances that they thought they could have some friends who would betray them. It's not through man's wisdom in verse 8. It's not through the armies that they had uh, mounted in verse 9. But what? The kingdom shall be the Lord's. So, Alex, listen. Who is on the Lord's side? It better be you, mm. you and I. We yes. better come. And when do we need to make that decision, Alex? Later on or today? Today while you have time. While you have time, turn to Christ while you have an opportunity. You know, Bert, um, I've often thought about this. That last phrase of Obadiah, this is just so beautiful. Um, Deliverers will go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom will be the Lord's. And that's all caps, L-O-R-D-S, the the Lord Almighty. You know, at the end of the Lord's Prayer in um, Matthew 6, 3, Luke 11, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Um, I've often wondered when it talks about um, your king, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Because you remember the Lord Jesus intimately knew what we call the Old Testament. The, you know, the Pentateuch and, um, well, there's, you know, the, the law, the prophets, the writings, um, the, the Torah and the Tanakh is how it's talked about in Hebrew. And, you know, so much of what Jesus said were quotations of Old Testament Scripture. And even in the Lord's Prayer, when he says that the kingdom will be the Lord's, that's very reminiscent of the language in the Lord's Prayer. Um, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I, I wonder if Jesus, in teaching the disciples to pray, Matthew 6, Luke 11, if he was thinking about this Scripture about God's kingdom will come, God's will will be done, might be a reference from Obadiah. (laughs) That would be true. Jesus quoted from the Old Testament more than you could ever imagine, especially the book of Deuteronomy. He especially did Deuteronomy, the second law given, but here the kingdom. And that's what we want to share with you today. The kingdom uh, is, if you have a kingdom, you got to have a king. Jesus (laughs) is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You need Amen. to trust him today. We're going to take phone calls. That number, 888-589-8840. We'd love to hear from you today with your Bible question. Bishop E.W. Jackson. What needs to be told to these black men is get a job, stop fathering children that you can't take care of, stop hanging out in the streets. And stop acting like the cops are your enemy anytime you interact with them, particularly when you're interacting with them in a situation where you know they've come expecting potential trouble because of the circumstances you've allowed yourself to be in. How about trying that? Weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. You've got Christians who love Jesus and they have kids and they're just like, I just don't know what my calling is. Right. Will and Mickey Addison. What is it that Jesus wants me to do? I feel like... I'm a teacher. And that's I feel wh- like that's I'm a why, great- <laughs> That's why when you 
go to the scripture to talk about yeah. equipping the saints for work of ministry, Come on. you should look inside first. It can exactly. be right, you know, at your address. Marriage, family, and the church. That's the focus of airing the Addisons. Weekday afternoons at 2 Central on American Family Radio. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Full weaponization of the federal government to crush a political opponent. Politicians and a political party that build themselves as pro-life while refusing to actually do what's in their power to stop the killing of little babies. The successful and unrelenting advance of regressivism. All of these are signs that our national condition is not merely a natural phenomenon. It's spiritual. Civic engagement without spiritual engagement produces political roller coasters. National course correction will only come by national repentance. We must elevate him. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Luke 9, verse 1, we read this about Jesus. He called the twelve together and gave them power and authority. Most people have feelings of inadequacy in some area of their life, but as many as 80% of millennials say, I'm not good enough in virtually every area of their lives. Well, I've got bad news. None of us is enough, and we will never be enough. We all sin and fall short of God's glory. But here's the good news. Jesus Christ, God's perfect Son, is enough. Jesus is enough for you personally. Jesus knows all of your weaknesses and all of your shortcomings, and he'll strengthen you to do all he asks of you. So trust him. He's enough for you every day. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Be silent before me so that I may speak. Then let come upon me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hands? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Job 13, 13 through 15. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. When you hear the word shoebox around Christmas time, I think you think of more than just a, a box containing shoes. Alex, I think about packing that field with toys and, and mm. toothbrushes and different things. And matter of fact, this is what we're starting. We're tr- starting to promote Operation Christmas Child. Pack that shoebox because November the 15th through the 22nd will be collection week. So you want to start now getting that shoebox, packing it, and getting it ready because Operation Christmas Child is here, brother. Amen. Well, and I love it too. I was just in Gravely Baptist in Kingsport. Pastor David Sally, he might be listening. And I was near his office, and they had stacks of the, the those green and red shoeboxes from Samaritan's Purse. And, oh, what a blessing. It just it takes the gospel all around the world, doesn't it? It does. So be ready. Get involved. If your church is not involved, get them involved. Uh, go to SamaritansPurse.org. You can find that information, what all you can put in it, what you can't put in it, because there's some restrictions. Uh, the money that is needed in order to get it there, and it goes all over the world, and in it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's always connected with a church and uh, so that there'll be a follow-up. So praise the Lord. Operation Christmas Child is here. Well, Alex, you mm-hmm. ready to go to the phone lines? Let's do it, folks. The number is 888-589-8840. Hey, and by the way, you can listen to this show and all the other shows of Exploring the Word archived AFR.net, AFR.net, and just all of the great programming. And we encourage you, I'm going to ask a favor, um, forward a link. Go on there, and if, if one of the shows speaks to you especially, forward that on to somebody. 
And we love to know that people are listening to all this content and hearing the Word of God and good, solid biblical truth, which you can always find at AFR.net. That's right. So we go to Alabama first and talk to Craig. Craig, you're the first caller of the day. Thank you for calling. Hey, Bert and Alex. Thanks for Hi. taking my call. <laughs> this is my first time. Me and my son are on our way home from work. We listen to you guys every day. Well, thank you for well, calling, well, man. Thank you. It's Amen. great to hear from you. But uh, my question is, I wanted to get your thoughts. I've been watching a program on TV uh, about America and Bible prophecy and uh, Mystery Babylon described in Revelation, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it and if you thought that could be America. Okay, Craig, thank you for that. There are people that I know that are deep into prophecy, and they think it is, and I know some who said don't think it is, and then there's others in our account that says we don't know for sure. Alex, are you in one of those? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I've had this this uh, question a lot. You know, really, I mean, if you read Revelation 17, 3 through 5, the, the false church, Mystery Babylon, is, is really a worldwide false religious system. Now, this is in contrast to the, the true church, the Bride of Christ. And so Revelation 17 has some very, very choice words to describe uh, Mystery Babylon, which is located in Rome. And, um, you know, I, I don't think Mystery Babylon is the United States of America, but Isaiah 50 and 51 talk about a political Babylon. Um, I, I'm going to tell you, America at that point will play into it. Uh, politically, religiously, there's going to be worldwide secularism, but I, I don't think America is, quote, Mystery Babylon. I really think that's the worldwide false church led by the Antichrist. And this false church is going to group religion, all kinds of religion, into it. So it won't just be, quote, uh, what we think as Christian uh, as we do as much. It's going to be, uh, it's going to take ecumenicalism to a whole new degree. Now, Alex mm -hmm. and I, we talk about working with one another. We are talking about working with people who know Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord, believes the Word, stands on the Word. Uh, so, But we're not talking about all religions. This is going to be kind of religion uh, on steroids. Alex, uh, Mr. Yeah. Babylon, I would. Let's, let's go to our next caller, and it's in Mississippi. Rue, welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, hey, Rue, how are you? Oh, my goodness. Hey, Rue, goodness gracious, how's everything in Kosciuszko? It's great. <laughs> Woo, man. Hey, I've already, I already feel the vibrations up here north of Kosciuszko in Mississippi, Rue. Thank you. Amen. Oh, we love you guys. It's And I want to tell you, on my desk is some of the artwork. Rue and her brothers and sisters, they'll draw pictures for Angie and me, and we put them up on our fridge, and we just, she's drawn pictures of us when we were teaching through different parts of the Bible. Bert and Rue has given us so much encouragement. Well, blessings to you and your dear family. Do, do you have a, a Bible question for us today, Rue? Yes, sir. Okay. Go ahead. Did people in the Bible ever ha take vacation? Okay, great question. Amen. Well, I, let me answer this. They sure didn't do retirement. We know that. <laughs> yes. There's no such thing. Vacation. Uh, Alex, there were, and I'll set it up and you take it away, there were times <laughs> when they pulled away from everyday life. You know, yes. uh, they would pull away for God, but on the journey that they would uh, make their journey to Jerusalem, guess what they'd do? They would fellowship with others and take time. I don't know if you'd call it a vacation, but it was a break, wasn't it? Well, it was, and Rue, that is a great question. The, the Bible says a lot about refreshing your soul. Okay, in Exodus 23, 12, Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall 
rest. And it also says, interestingly, your ox and your donkey shall rest, and your, your servants and your employees should rest. So the Bible talks about setting aside one day a week for, for rest. But, you know, over and over it talks about, um, you know, uh, Jeremiah thirty-one twenty-five, the weary soul resting and being satisfied, the weary soul that is languishing, God will replenish. And uh, another one, it talks about how um, the Lord grants mercy. Okay, 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul said, uh, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. So, Bert, here's my thing. I don't think there's something like a vacation mentioned that we might think, well, I'm going to take a week and go to the mountains or something. But there's plenty about resting and refreshing others. And I really think it's stewardship. Um, let me just say this, and I'm, I'm preaching at Alex here, okay? But maybe to some men too. The good Lord does not expect us to work till we drop over. I think in the spirit of stewardship... Uh, for personally, our time with the Lord, for our time with our spouse, I think we're supposed to pull aside sometimes and rest, Bert. Yeah. When you see Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it talks about teaching your children, notice what it says. It's talking about as you go through the day. Uh, it's not always working. It is part working, but it is part a time of refreshing, as you said. But again, if you look at the holy days that God set aside in the, uh, you know, the Jewish calendar, you find mm-hmm. a time of a break from the routine. Uh, you know, there's good routine, but every once in a while, you need to get out of that routine to refresh yourself. So, Rue, thank you for that great question. We appreciate it so much. And keep yes. Kosciuszko, keep growing in the Lord. Amen. Let's go to Louisiana and talk. Is it Zuma? Yes, sir. Go right ahead. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, well, I was calling because, well, I just have a couple of various questions. Um, In the Bible, in Exodus 3.16, it says that we should keep the Sabbath uh, perpetually, correct? Go ahead, yes. Go ahead with your question. Yes. Yes. So I'd like to know why is it, that we don't keep it, you okay. know, it hasn't been perpetually. Now it, we keep Sunday um, okay. as a Sabbath. With, and also um, the name of Joshua in the Bible, names have weight, correct? There's significance. Yeah. That's why God would change the names, correct? Yeah, uh, names mean a lot. Right. So why was the name of Yeshua completely translated to Jesus Christ in the time of Constantine? Okay. The good word is translated, Zuma. The the Mm. translation, it does not lose its name at all. It's the translation of it at the name. That name, uh, it's not necessarily the enunciation of that name, but it's the person of that name. And it is Jesus. What about the Sabbath? Let me make this comment, Alex. Take it away. You know, the Sabbath really does celebrate creation. It really does. On the seventh day, God rested. What other act did God do that really uh, even outnumbers creation? Would you say it's redemption? Uh, Absolutely. It's been said, and by the way, uh, Zuma, thank you for calling. It's been said that all of God's work could be put under one of two categories, God's great work of creation and God's great work of salvation. And we do a lot of things to commemorate all of those. The Sabbath, and you mentioned Exodus 31, verse 16. Now listen to this. It says, the Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for generations to come. Okay. Why why do born-again believers not keep a Saturday Sabbath? Well, for one, because the church is different than Israel. Remember, the, the perpetuity of the Sabbath was till the Messiah comes, and that was given to Israel. So part of the answer is that we, we're not the nation of Israel. But another thing is that Jesus is our Sabbath. See, if you're a believer in Yeshua, and, you know, whether it's Joshua uh, or Jesus or Yeshua, 
it, it means Jehovah saves. So the, the biblical name of, of Joshua, it sometimes is translated uh, Jehovah our help or Jehovah saves. But in Jesus, we are perpetually in the, the eternal rest of the Lord. Amen. Our soul is at rest. It is. Azuma, now, thank you. Alex, and and uh, why do we worship on Sunday? That was Resurrection Day. That is. We celebrate that, the redemption. Uh, praise God. And even one day, all of creation is going to be redeemed, Alex. Isn't that great yeah, news? Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Zuma. We appreciate your call. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Kelly. Kelly, welcome. I just wanted to call and ask you how best to honor Someone that's gone to be with the Lord. We had a great loss in our church here. Our pastor's wife and then another young lady passed away with cancer, and we prayed, and we lost them. They they went to heaven, but we're still hurting. Our church is hurting in our community. And how do we best honor these people that are hurting when we don't know what to say, but we know where our help comes from? But yeah, you answer a lot of that with the young person's question, but I just wanted you to to – to tell me again how we need to look at this and and how even though we're hurting, we're joyful because we know where they are. Amen. Well, you've answered your question, and that is we rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And sometimes we rejoice in the weeping and rejoice. Think on them of how long you had them. I want to give this, I think I'll do it real quickly. In early church, one of my second or third churches, uh, there was this couple who had lost their teenage son. And Alex, I went to the funeral home saying, I, Jan and I prayed, oh, what are we going to say? And I walked in, and this man said, I have a choice. I'm either going to thank God for the 17 years I had him or be angry at God for the years I didn't have him. I choose mm. to thank God for the years I had him. That man taught me more than anything I'd ever said or thought about. I choose to be thankful for the years I had him. Alex, that stuck with me. You know what? Um, what to say, what to do. Um, there's a word called a ministry of presence, just to be near somebody. Bert, um, when I was young in the ministry, and I'll never forget the first funeral I ever did, and I was nervous what oh my goodness what am i going to say i don't even hardly i feel so um inadequate and the fact is we are inadequate but oftentimes bird i have found just being there it's almost that you don't have to say much of anything people know that you're with them that you love them and that just kind of uh christ in you to be you know galatians 6 verse 2 says that we're to bear one another's burdens and sometimes it's just they know that you're there, and uh, you don't have to say so much. Am I right? You are exactly right. I've done it and been there many times. I've been on the receiving end of someone's yeah. presence. Guess what? We pray for God's power. Guess what you got to have in order to have God's power? You got to have God's presence, you know? Yes. And yes. that is the truth, uh, that the presence of those uh, and, and Kelly, for those in your church and the church has lost someone, you recognize it, you thank God for it, but watch out. Watch what God does in bringing somebody up to minister uh, and help and strengthen the church. Well, it's been mm. great to be with you today, Alex. And tomorrow it's Jonah. You ready to, oh, to, you ready to go fishing? <laughs> Let's do that. We love the book of Jonah. Folks, you might want to read ahead, and you'll be ready for tomorrow's edition of Exploring the Word. That's exactly right, and you'll be blessed. And uh, We say it as Jonah is one of the books that's most criticized of all the books in the Bible. And so you want to be here as we study God's Word because Jesus would refer to Jonah. That's good enough for me to know it's real. Tell someone about exploring the Word, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus.